Welcome to episode 39 of Kyperian Commentary. I am your host, Yuri Brito. And on this episode, I wanted to take a look at a recent survey that has come to my attention, and it is called the State of Theology. And to discuss that survey, I'm here uh, with an old acquaintance of mine, Chris Larson, who is the president and CEO of Ligonier Ministries. You can follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Larson. Chris, how are you? Doing well, Yuri. It's good to be with you. Delight to be with you, too. Thanks for taking your time to join us here. Chris, before I jump into this conversation here, discuss the survey, when I told a few folks that I was going to be interviewing you, of course, the natural question was, what is the status of Ligonier Ministries now after the death of its beloved founder, R.C. Sproul? Thank you. Yes. Uh, it's a question, as you might imagine, that I've answered quite a few times. Uh, this I imagine. Year, and, and, and one that I imagine that I'll continue answering for uh, you know, the next you know, few months and even the next couple of years. Um, and, and the short answer is, uh, obviously, we miss RC every day. Um, you don't take someone like RC out of your life without feeling a profound sense of loss and a, and a whole um, He's, he's, he was just such a, a dear friend, um, a mentor, a pastor, um, someone you know, I think we all looked up to, um, and someone also that we just love being around, and, mm. and we just miss him uh, terribly. Um, and by God's grace, uh, the ministry, in one sense, hasn't missed a beat. And you know, that has been you know, by some of our C's own planning and design. Uh, he thought about the future a lot, and uh, we worked closely alongside of him to try and plan for a, a stable succession uh, of the ministry. He always wanted Ligonier to, to kind of succeed him and, and go, uh, go on for years to come. And so a lot of his planning over the past uh, decade really has been to that end, to try and set up the ministry to have a, a good, stable uh, theological base. And so our teaching fellows have been very helpful. Our board's been very engaged. Um, and uh, by, by God's grace, we're very thankful for all the good work that has continued to happen this year. So um, we've continued to grow. Um, but at the same time, you know, we know our future is in the Lord's hands. And uh, we, we don't need to think that we need to trust in our own wisdom. Um, it's really up to the Lord. If he wants us to keep serving the church, uh, we're going to keep serving the church, and uh, if, if we grow larger, fine. If we grow smaller, fine. But at the end of the day, just like RC always wanted to, to emphasize, it's about faithfulness, and um, if we lose that, we've lost everything. Mm. Amen. Chris, thank you for, for that summary. I think that'll be, that's very comforting for many of our listeners who have followed the work of Ligonier Ministries for a very long time. Chris, let me delve into this very, very interesting State of Theology survey, and I it came to my attention. You all have done this for a few years now. Talk a little bit about how this uh, survey came about and um, how you began this interest of accumulating this theological data in the last few years. Sure. Um, we, we began to talk about this actually back in about 2010. And um, several of us were realizing that um, we, we could tell um, a qualitative story for why there's a need for robust biblical and theological teaching to be able to root people in the historic Christian faith. And, and we know these things. We know these things from church history. 
uh, and your listeners, of course, would you know be well aware of the importance of just ordinary means of grace teaching and getting people yes. into the Bible. Um, and of course, that's what Ligonier has been involved in since 1971. But mm. we realized that you know, with the, the advent of the internet and people's fascination with data and understanding quantitative representations of different people groups and populations, that perhaps there was an opportunity to try and apply that quantitative thinking to some basic Christian doctrine, uh, to basic Bible teaching, and to survey what uh, the people on the street believed but where Ligonier was even more concerned, what do the people in the pew believe? Mm. And, and that was because we understand that it's, it's one thing to look around us at the culture and recognize the lostness of the culture, if you will. Mm. Um, but the culture is never going to rise higher than the pulpit. The culture is never going to be helped unless the people in the pew are faithfully witnessing to the truth about Jesus Christ and what the Bible says and who God is. And so it was trying to, I guess, kind of point out that the evangelical church, at the very moment when the United States is in a bit of identity crisis, the evangelical right. church has lost its voice. And we've been saying this, and I'm sure you and your listeners have been kind of pointing out these problems for many years now. So this was just really another lens to try and help the church to kind of tell that story. But it's really the same story that we've been pointing out for years is that, uh, like R.C. would say, people are believing happy inconsistencies uh, mm -hmm. about who God is and, and what the Word of God teaches. And if there was a way to kind of point out, you know, we've got a lot of work still to do just with the evangelical church. And I even know that uh, that terminology of evangelical is, is up for grabs, which, you know, I, that's a debate you know, others uh, can have. Well, I think the language of inconsistency is very clear in this survey, Chris. I mean, you're finding people making profound affirmations about the gospel and at the same hand, uh, denying fundamental issues of the gospel. So there is a, for those of us who are in the Kyperian tradition, who cherish the consistency of a biblical worldview, it seems like this survey proves that people don't cherish consistent worldview thinking, right? That's right. And there's just not that connecting of the dots. And so people mm. are not uh, kind of following, you know, if this is who God is and he's holy, um, and then we, we have Jesus Christ and his work, then, you know, some evangelicals are still affirming that people are by nature good. Right. And you know, they're not taking into account mankind's sinfulness. And therefore, it devalues the work of Jesus Christ. And it helps us, it, 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 and it points out that we've got a real problem in understanding the holiness of God. Here's a statement number 11. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature, which you just referenced there. That is agreed by 52% of evangelical Christians. That is a sort of staggering uh, response to a statement that is um, goes contrary to historic Christianity. Let me read another one here. God accepts the worship of all religions. This is statement three, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, agreed by 51% and disagreed by 42 That's a fairly um, halfway marker there. That means that over 50% of the Christian evangelical population, so I would assume that the 
report, the, the survey, we're not focusing here in, you know, in previous re- uh, data reports in previous years, you were, um, some were interpreting Christians, whether they were Jehovah's Witness or Mormons, but this survey focused specifically on evangelical Christians, right? In the, in the, in the, the standard evangelical tradition of Billy Graham and on and on. Is that correct? So the survey is 3,000 people across the U.S. So that's the entire U.S. population. Um, And within that, there's a 581 adult sample of people who have evangelical beliefs. And the evangelicals were defined as people who either strongly agree with the following four statements. Number one, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Number two, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their savior. Number three, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of my sin. And number four, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. We didn't come up with that definition. Lifeway Research was our research partner on this. They're real Mm -hmm. pros when it comes to doing survey data, and um, they've got some real experts there. And that was a definition that they came up with, even working with the National Association of Evangelicals. And it was really just for the sake of getting the survey done and coming up with a common definition. You know, we, we went with their definition of evangelical. And I know as a Reformed Christian, I'd want to add a few more qualifiers right, even, right, I understand. Uh, to that. But, but again, trying to get to uh, some of the understanding of what's going on in what is the quote unquote evangelical church out there. And of course, this gets bandied around in the political sphere today. Um, you know, between it's the you know the blue side of the aisle or the red side of the aisle, and which side is the evangelical church going for? And I think some of us probably scratch our head, you know, just in terms of the way it shows up politically. But at the same time, I think we have to realize that our politics and our sociology flows from our theology, mm-hmm. and so that's why the the state of theology survey we hope provides at least another little shade of color to explaining kind of what's going on within the church. Well, and I think it also provides uh, a helpful resource for for us ministers of the gospel to realize that there is a, an incredible theological lack in the training of most of our parishioners. I mean, it's there's a, a certain sense of, it's, it's a frustrating sense for a minister to realize that while most evangelicals have no problem affirming the Trinitarian nature of God. At the same time, they would affirm, uh, as we see here, statement number six, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, which was a statement by the heretic Arius that is agreed by 78% of the evangelical population. That is a stunning contradiction. And I think it urges us as ministers to begin to fill in those gaps and begin to build and form a Christian populace that is more consistent in the way they look at the being of God himself. We can't take for granted that the the people coming into the church even have a working knowledge of basic Trinitarian theology anymore. Mm. Uh, we, we have to realize that 21st century America um, is is ignorant when it comes to basic Bible teaching. And so we still have these kind of fumes of cultural Christianity that we've been running on for many years now. But uh, even that question about Jesus being the, the, the first creature uh, created by God, uh, that 
you know, it's worded in a way that you know it requires people to to listen and read carefully, um, and, and we kind of wrote it that way so that people would you know only the people who really understood what we were saying there would answer it correctly. Now, happily, I think most people, if you kind of come back around and ask them a follow up question or two, they're probably going to land on the right uh, teaching about Jesus Christ. But it does say something that, you know, we need to not be afraid to proclaim doctrine, to teach doctrine, to to go deeper with people and to not just assume that they know. Um, and then, you know, if they run into passages uh, like the firstborn of all creation in Scripture, well, that that's a discussion about Christ's position and preeminence uh, that's coming out of that Judaic uh, culture and understanding. And so we've got to teach them what that means. Um, and it's not about creation and Jesus as creature. Um, so just very simple questions can sometimes illuminate. There's a moment of opportunity here. And, and believe me, uh, in terms of the way we conceived this uh, survey, it was not to wag the finger at, at evangelicals. Rather, as you have said, we want to come alongside of pastors, churches, uh, other church leaders to be able to just say, hey, we, we have some work here to do, we believe, and uh, we're all in this task together. Uh, Ligonier is not the church. Uh, mm. We exist to come alongside of the church, and we never want to presume to be in that role. Um, so we're at our best as a ministry when we're creating discipleship resources to help the local church. And in one sense, we hope this State of Theology survey is going to help folks to do that. People can go to our website, thestateoftheology.com, and they can explore all the data for themselves, and they can even kind of segment out what do people in the Northeast believe about this, or what Why? do people at this income level believe? And it is interesting. Uh, it does correlate in some of the, the questions of orthodoxy that the, the higher educated and the higher income brackets, uh, the, the less orthodox people are across hmm, America. Very interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot in here for people to uh, to mine. There's there's certainly a lot to digest. If Chris, let me just uh, close our conversation by focusing on the millennials, who inevitably will be the ones who will be our leaders one day, for good or for ill. Um, I want to focus just a little bit on the the, the 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 confusion that I think exists here, according to the the survey, um, on specific issues. There are some very encouraging affirmations to certain statements, but also some discouraging affirmations, specifically in the area of sexuality. Can you talk a little bit about that, if you will? Absolutely. So there's a few different questions in here. And when you look at the millennial age group, um, let's take a, a question, let's say abortion. Is abortion mm -hmm. a sin? 57% agreed uh, this year that abortion is a sin, and that's up from 50% in 2016. Mm. So actually, that's an improvement. Yes. Um, and also on sex outside of marriage is a sin. 54% agreed this year that that is a sin. Uh, and that's up from 47% in 2016. However, about half believe that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior is outdated. So that's 51%. As well as gender identity is a choice, 46%. So we're seeing just an embrace of certain realities on the abortion front, as well as sex outside of marriage. But then we're seeing this slippage. 
Um, but that correlates to the millennials view about God as being generally unconcerned with my day to day mm. decisions. And there's an increasing percentage that we've tracked since 2014 of millennials believing that God is unconcerned with my day to day decisions. And so there again, you get back to something that we were talking about as a church a decade ago, with this moralistic therapeutic right. deism. Um, and so, you know, this. This survey identifies a lot of points of concern for still trying to reach younger to that next generation of leaders. Mm, fantastic. Chris Larson, I want to thank you for your labors in this regard. And as you lead Ligonier Ministries, a ministry that has uh, blessed me personally over the years and, and many uh, in our day, I really pray God's richest blessings upon you, my brother. Thank you for this labor. And I think the important dimension of this labor here that you have just discussed is that it gives the church an opportunity to say, uh, not to mock evangelicalism, but to say, here are the areas where we need to work on. And let's therefore, in this time of confusion and irrationality, let's build the church up to knowledge and truth so that we might be able to present the gospel clear and without confusion. Chris Larson, president and CEO of Ligonier Ministries, uh, thank you for your time. Good to be with you.